This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome in, everybody, to the flagship podcast. It is Red River Shootout Week, baby. This is so great. I mean, well, it's something. Um, let me uh, introduce our fearless leader, our Horns 24-7 managing editor, the one and only Taylor Estes. Taylor, how are you doing? Chip, I'm I'm doing pretty well. You know, it's as you mentioned, it's Red River Shootout Week. It's usually an exciting week. A little bit of a different feel this year for a variety of reasons. Uh, but you know what? It's always nice to have college football rivalries. That's what makes uh, college football so great. So I'm excited for that. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm so happy that we're still talking college football and that it is the Red River Shootout Week. And uh, and look, last weekend did not go as planned. And so guess what, Taylor? What's that? Four-year senior quarterback, Sam Ellinger, after uh, wiping away tread marks from TCU, uh, decided on Sunday with the Boomer Sooners looming in the Red River shootout to throw some Tabasco sauce into his, uh, his chat with teammates on Sunday and basically in a brutal truth challenge uh, said that this team needs to quit beating itself and for players to commit to be more disciplined and pay more attention to detail. Yeah. So I guess that was his Tim Tebow stand on the wall moment. And he went to the players because he's already been burned by the public after saying Texas is back. So he's doing <laughs> his, I guess he's doing his stuff in private Taylor. And I mean, it's look that loss. You could tell he was pissed after the game and his post-game comments, he said, this university deserves better. Talked about how everything was self-inflicting. And, I mean, it was the precursor to whatever he said to that team on Sunday, that's for sure, because he was calling out their lack of attention to detail at that point. Right. Yeah. I mean, and Tom Herman said to start his Monday press conference this week about how great of a practice they had on Sunday after the day after that TCU game Chip, uh, you thinking that Sam's uh, motivational, well, motivational slash brutal truth played a role in that practice there? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, Herm, he has bloody Tuesday practices. If he can get a bloody Sunday practice where his stud quarterback is calling out all the selfishness on the team, oh, Tom Herman, will, he'll go home and jam out to some Eddie Van Halen on that. I mean... And God bless Eddie Van Halen, who we lost uh, on on Tuesday. Oh my! But oh yeah, Herman loves that stuff. He loves it when the when the when the the players are policing the players and holding each other accountable. Being what is it? Not coach uh, led, but team fed, mm -hmm. player driven. Oh yeah, he loves that. He loves that Taylor. Yeah. Well, it takes one one of the responsibilities off of Tom Herman's plate there because after. 
you know, after some time, if you're constantly going to be the one screaming and, you know, in the players faces and asking why they don't play for each other or anything, I mean, that needs to come in my opinion, from a player, it's going to be heard much more, especially from a player like Sam Ellinger, who really does have, you know, the trust and the, uh, I think the following in general from the team, it's not some type of fake phony type of leadership that he tries to role that he tries to play. He's always been that guy for Texas. And, uh, you know, Tom Herman needs him to be that guy more than ever. I think this season. Yeah. I mean, I think this game Saturday coming up, uh, is it's, I think it's going to be a great game. I Mm -hmm. think OU is fed up and, and determined they're, they're going to, get coached this week like crazy on top of losing to K-State. And Sam Ellinger's challenging his teammates to to be more disciplined in a check-your-feelings-at-the-door kind of conversation. I think we're going to see two teams who we expected at the beginning of the year to be battling for the Big 12 title. I think those teams are going to show up on Saturday. Now, the only problem is, Taylor, the game is at 11 a.m., and – Texas can't seem to wake up for 11 a.m.s under Tom Herman. They're five and six in 11 a.m. kickoffs, but they did beat Oklahoma in 2018 in an 11 a.m. kick. Yep. So one out of three years. But they also lost an 11 a.m. kick to Oklahoma that year as well in the Big 12 championship. Big 12 title game. Mm -hmm. Okay. So here's another uh, little daunting nugget for you, Taylor. All right. Hit me with it. Since 2000. Okay. Mm -hmm. When Oklahoma won the national championship. Okay. Since 2000, OU has lost the game prior to Red River three times. Okay. In all three situations, they turned around and beat the Texas Longhorns. That would have been in 2007, 2014, and 2017, Tom Herman's first year as the coach of Texas. So. Going to have to reverse some stuff around here. Oh, and by the way, the yeah, the last two times both teams came in after a loss, Oklahoma won both that of those. That was 2014, right? Charlie's yeah. first year? Yeah. You know, it's one thing that's interesting, Chip. Um, I have to credit uh, 24-7 Director of Recruiting, Barton Simmons, for this nugget here. But Texas, under Tom Herman since 2017, has lost to as a ranked team to an unranked team six times, which is the most in college football. And for the first time of Herman's career entering the Texas OU game, Oklahoma's not ranked. So it Texas got to take care of business because that's not a stat that you want to have. You don't want to basically that's that's showing exactly what we've all one of all the biggest gripe with Tom Herman since he's been at Texas has been his teams don't they play to the level of their opponent. And that's not always a good thing. If you're playing an unranked opponent as a ranked opponent, especially at home as a double digit favorite, not going to bring up, you know, throw more salt in Texas fans wounds, but that's ridiculous. And so Tom Herman's got to fix that because elite teams don't play down just because they're playing an opponent that's down. Right. That's what a bad team does. So Texas has to prove themselves now. Right. You're supposed to, everyone's supposed to be able to get up for the big games. Yeah. The key as a as a coach is taking care of the little games, the games where you're favored to win. I mean, that's why Les Miles was able to stay at LSU as long as he did. He always won the games he was supposed to win, and he, you know, knocked on the door of Alabama a few times and 
but you got to win those ones that you're you're expected to win. So Taylor, what's interesting is the Vegas line now is uh, it opened with Oklahoma as the favorite. It's basically a pick 'em, but Oklahoma, last I checked, was a point and a half favorite over Texas. So Tom Herman seems to do better in the underdog role. Yeah. We'll see if that uh, works out on Saturday. But Taylor, we we did our reaction podcast on you know Sunday right after the TCU game and. And talked about all the mistakes and and the, I mean even, you know Tom Herman clarified on Monday. Players are never to extend the ball toward the goal line, never. Like that's not an option, and yet we saw Keontae Ingram do it twice at the end of the TCU game, and uh, he didn't even learn from the play before. And that's, you know, I had a friend of mine say that was selfish what he did, trying to stretch that in there, and. I didn't even think of it that way, but it is selfish if you've been told many times, don't extend the ball near the goal line, and then it happens. But look, that's that falls on the coaching. You're yeah. either coaching it or allowing it to happen. And and so, you know, Sam Ellinger's point on on Tuesday when we talked to him was, hey, um, you know, I'm I'm done having friendly conversations about mistakes that are being made. And so we'll see. We'll see. I, I mean, I've obviously called around to different sources to find out who he was targeting in that, in that challenge. And I was told the same old culprits. And so, you know, no one's going to get into naming names, but right. I mean, we'll see. We'll see on Saturday. We should see a little bit of either a sharpness or or not as it pertains to the Longhorns. Yeah, and this is going to be really interesting, I think, too, Chip, with from the Oklahoma side of things. I mean, Lincoln Riley, as a head coach, has never lost two conference games um, in the regular season. This is a first for him. He's dealing with a redshirt freshman quarterback, something that's also a first for him. He's never had to rely on a true first-time starter. You know, he's had, quote-unquote, first-time starters at Oklahoma that were transfer students, you know, but never had to rely on a true freshman. I mean, excuse me, a redshirt freshman like he is this year. Um, And, you know, I think that we're going to learn, I think, a lot about the coaching, honestly. And the team that has the elite coaching right now, because right now, you know, both of these teams, there's questions surrounding both programs. I think there's a ton more questions surrounding uh, Texas. um, Well, more so than Lincoln Riley. I mean, you can't really question Lincoln Riley after just a bad start to a season when he's gone to the college football playoff and won every single big 12 championship since he took over as head coach of the Sooners. But, you know, I really, I'm really intrigued at this matchup because, you know, as we were kind of talking before we started recording today's show, um, Texas and Oklahoma are kind of similar this year. You know, they're, they, Spencer Rattler is a good quarterback. I know, I think he has like four interceptions or so far that he's thrown so far this season, but he kind of, in a sense, reminds me a tiny, tiny bit at times. I know some OU fans may like want to scream if they hear me say this, but at, at times he kind of reminds me a little bit of Sam Ellinger when Sam Ellinger was like later on in his freshman year and um, in his sophomore year, you know, there are times where he makes throws and you're just like, Oh my gosh, like that is so impressive. I mean, you see how high his ceiling could be. And then there's times where, you know, the pocket starts collapsing on him a little bit and he is quick to scramble and run. And that's kind of how Spencer Rattler has played early in the season, which is 
you know, I mean, that's just the makings of what happens when you have a young quarterback starting. But, you know, this Texas team, this Oklahoma team, I think a lot of their strengths are the same. And I think a lot of the weaknesses are the same right now. So it's going to be really an interesting matchup, to say the least, I think, Saturday. I mean, it really is. I mean, you look at both teams would say the strength of their team is the quarterback and the defensive line. Both teams have played the run pretty well, um, especially at times. I mean, Oklahoma gave up some, are you kidding me, plays to Kansas State late. Um, But, and look, they've had a lead, Oklahoma, late in games, and they've lost them. Their their defense has not been able to hold those leads. They had a 21-point lead against K-State late in the third quarter, and they couldn't hold it. And then Iowa State, they led um, 30-23, couldn't hold it. And not only that, gave up a a three and out and allowed Iowa State to basically win it, um, you know, in the final stages. So they're having trouble finishing games, and Texas is having trouble finishing games. It's like who can find their identity first? Right. Because both of them are talented. Both have a bunch of starters back. Both. Obviously, and I'll fall back to this, Taylor. I always come back to this adage because, and I know you're going to disprove it, but (laughs) I asked Barry Switzer about the Red River shootout. And, you know, I said, what, are there any like sort of hallowed truths that, that stand the test of time? And he said, usually the team with the best quarterback wins because they got to handle that atmosphere. Yeah. And the atmosphere is not going to be the thing Saturday, Taylor. So in some ways, Spencer Rattler gets to walk into a completely sterile, benign Red River shootout that will resemble nothing like the Red River shootout because both coaches on Monday talked about how they're going to miss coming in on the buses and having the opposing fans shaking their bus and flipping them off. Right. So it's going to be a completely different situation, and it might play – to Spencer Rattler's favor, not to have this atmosphere that might be overwhelming. Yeah. And I mean, Spencer Rattler has, I think, witnessed the atmosphere, just never played in it, Um, you know, being on the team last year. Although, would he have been allowed to travel to that game since they were the away team? Well, they probably would have had him there regardless. He was the backup to Jay. Yeah, he's Spencer Rattler. Yeah. So, yeah, he's seen the atmosphere. But, yeah, he definitely kind of gets a hall pass a little bit on this one um, to not have that full that full packed crowd, you know, I mean, that's, I have been on the field for the Texas Oklahoma game a number of times and it's like bone chilling, honestly, like the, just the momentum shifts you hear about it all the time, but you can truly feel it on the field, the momentum shifts that come from the crowd. Um, you know, I've always kind of been one that thinks that the home team should probably get the side of the, the cotton tunnel. bowl with a, yeah, with the, the tunnel that, um, where the teams come out, but Oklahoma's always on that side. I kind of feel like that may not be the, it kind of gives the seniors a little bit of an advantage. Cause I've been in that, that tunnel before when the longhorns are coming out and you're dodging things, getting thrown down at you, just being on the, you know, I'm, I'm in a photo vest when I was on, there's not like I was right. with the team and there's beers being like poured down and, just the booing and just every, I mean, it's what the first time I was in the tunnel, I was just looking around thinking, my goodness, like how, how do you tune out this amount of noise? And this is what you are welcome into the stadium with. I mean, it's, it's a different beast. 
Um, it's it's really disappointing this year that there's not going to be that atmosphere because it just, you know, the it's such a unique experience. I think one of the best setups in college football, one of the best rivalries in college football. Um, but, you know, this could actually make it more of a level playing field, as you had mentioned, just with Spencer Rattler not having to go through that first time, you know, freshman starting quarterback type of woes that Sam Ellinger did. You know, he had to experience that. And it's just, you know, it's uh, it's going to be interesting to say the least. But I'm definitely I'm a little disappointed that it's not a full pack stadium because that would feel truly like normal times again. Oh, it's the best. I mean, if if and obviously this year is going to be totally different. But when we get back to some semblance, hopefully, of what we've used to know in college football, packed houses, mm-hmm. uh, put this on your list because it is the best. And it's all because of the seating. It's oh, all yeah. because they divide the seating at the 50 and you have this herd mentality of sound that just, we're going to out cheer that side. And it just turns this thing into a 747 jet hanger mm-hmm. of constant sound. And the first team, the only time the sound goes down is when one of the teams has tapped out and decided I'm, I'm going to go save myself the embarrassment of, of all the Texas, you know, roasts coming my way and let me get out to a corny dog and a beer at the state fair of Texas. Yeah, for sure. I've definitely been, and I've been on the field before when Texas was on the losing end. First game I saw was 2012. I think it was from the field Ooh. level and 55 uh, to 17, 55 to 17. And I am not exaggerating. I had the OU fight song ringing in my head for about five or six days afterwards because of how often they were playing it. Um, and, and that's another thing, but like still even that game, you know, I, I could, I, I'm not trying to excuse Texas performance in that one, but for my first time being on the field, hearing what that atmosphere is like from field levels, like, okay, this is no joke. This is something that is real. This is something where a crowd does impact the outcome of the game. And so, you know, I'm, I'm really just intrigued to see what it's going to be like this year. Um, I'm not really looking forward to the change of the atmosphere, but it is, you know, it's a new experience. It's going to be a new, um, just overall game, I think, from a, a number of reasons from, you know, the in-game changes from, you know, no state fair around the Cotton Bowl, um, 25% capacity, then to, honestly, two teams entering the game um, coming off of a loss in Oklahoma entering the game with a losing record. That's never happened since I started covering college football. So it's going to be it's going to be interesting. 2020, right? I mean, my goodness, I mean, talk about 2020. 2020. <laughs> and yeah, I guess we'll talk about this season and this game for different reasons, but I do love the stories. One of my favorites is one of Daryl Royal's former players. The week of the Red River shootout, Daryl Royal would play the Oklahoma fight song nonstop Mm -hmm. to the point where his players were like, coach, why are you doing this to us? Why are you doing this? And he said, because I want to make sure you're doing everything possible not to hear that song on Saturday. <laughs> it's a smart move. I mean, because <laughs> they will beat it into your brain. Once oh. they start, they're not going to stop. And there's only three words in Boomer Sooner. <laughs> so it, it, that, that is the definition of insanity. But anyway, kidding all you, uh, all you <laughs> fans who we know are, are bird, you know, bird dog in our 
podcast this week just to know what's going on because everybody comes to the flagship podcast to know what's really going on. And um, and Taylor, we got to mention, uh, you know, injuries. Delhi a day away now needs shoulder surgery. And good heavens, Juwan Mitchell, fortunately, I mean, if you're going to get ejected for targeting, get ejected in the first half. Right. Because that way he can start the OU game. They are paper thin at middle linebacker. It's Juwan Mitchell and Court Jaquis. Yeah. And I, I don't know, Chip, I kind of remember before the season started and we were talking about Texas not just adding linebacker depth like Colin Schooler, you were saying – you weren't too concerned with the linebackers. You no, no, I your... said they weren't. <laughs> you I mean, said, the coaches. I'm not too concerned with the linebackers. They have a good enough defensive line and secondary. No, I'm with you. I'm like, it. why wouldn't you take Brendan and Colin Schooler? <laughs> Colin Schooler. You know, I don't care if you played middle, sideways, yeah. weak side, strong side. But they were like, we need a weak side linebacker. Mm-hmm. And now they just need a damn linebacker. Yeah. You did say, though, that I'm not too concerned about the linebackers because the defensive line and secondary are good enough to make up for yeah, it. Yeah, well, you know. And I said, I was like, how did that work out last year? <laughs> I didn't know Delia Dayway's shoulder was going to turn into Linguini. Okay? He's never been healthy for a whole oh, season. Oh, here we go. <laughs> Why? Oh, I <laughs> mean, you're like the baby deep. sister that <laughs> just gets you for everything. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Hey, I was mom, the youngest, so. <laughs> Big brother's being a doo-doo oh i wasn't allowed to do that i, I would have been beaten up by my brothers if yeah, i can turn that way <laughs> all right so um now w- the other injuries obviously uh the good news is jordan whittington is practicing and could be on the field saturday this was the earliest end of his recovery from the arthroscopic knee surgery so if the guys made a polyurethane i mean well hopefully Hopefully they're installing pyro, you know, polyurethane into him so that he can play for one uninterrupted season, for crying out loud. The guy plays one game, and then he has to go have surgery. <laughs> one, one uninterrupted game. How about that? Let's start with one, one interrupted, interrupted game. game. I mean, the poor guy hadn't even made it through the opener each of the last two years. <laughs> but, I mean, heavens, that would be exciting. Oh, yeah. And, then, um, you know, we'll see if, uh, if Sam Ellinger's um, – you know, fireside chat with his teammates has struck all the right chords, Taylor. Yeah. You know, and uh, another one, Roshan Johnson, uh, I think that Tom Herman said would be, would he say pot or probable or did he probable. say? Yeah, probable, but he's dealing, um, man, I can't remember exactly what Shoulder. it was. Shoulder, that's right. And he's got a rib, mm-hmm. you know, and kudos again to Sam Ellinger because we reported um, late last week that he had – uh, a couple of injuries. He had a deep quad bruise right near the knee uh, that had turned purple and swollen, and and he fought through that. And also, uh, his left hand was mangled in the in the Texas Tech game, and it was described to me as it looked like it had been slammed in a car door. Uh, so taking snaps was you know he was limited all week in practice. So. Um, this is that was a gutsy performance from Ellinger, even though um, you know he has the interception and and the uh, you know the team lost. Right. But um, he's uh, he's a warrior. We know he's a warrior. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's not gonna. I think I feel like Sam's one of those players where 
he's going to have to be carried off the field before he willingly leaves a game. Yeah. In my opinion, he's going to have to look like Jim Carrey after he falls out of the uh, airplane tunnel and lands on the tarmac with his leg going <laughs> yeah, in different exactly. directions and dumb and dumber. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Not dumb and dumber. Or an- liar, liar. Liar, liar. Yes. <laughs> Gotta get my Jim Carrey movies straight here. Um, all right, Taylor. And then as far as Oklahoma, weird stuff because Ronnie Perkins, Ramondre Stevenson, and uh, Trajan Bridges, the wide receiver, who were all suspended at the Peach Bowl for what has been reported as a failed drug test, which would mean six games suspension. But Ronnie Perkins was on the sideline with Oklahoma at the Iowa state game. And there were reports coming out of Oklahoma that he had won an appeal and might be eligible to play against Texas. Now Lincoln Riley said Monday, uh, he has not played for us and his status is unchanged. When someone asked, could it change before Saturday? Yeah. He said, I don't know. I don't, I don't have all the information. I wish I had more. Mm -hmm. So who knows? If Ronnie Perkins, one of their sack leaders from last year who has not yet played this season, uh, could show up in this game and and help what has already been a pretty solid uh, OU defensive line. Yeah. Do you think that was a little um, intentional misdirection by Lincoln Riley to intentionally avoid that? No, he bases his air raid out of the counter tray, which is, you know, pulling linemen from one side to the other and, you know. Lincoln might I although I will say he comes across as about the most upfront point blank coach you know I don't know am yeah. I wrong No I don't think so I mean just a simple kid from mule shoe Yeah <laughs> No I think I mean yeah he comes off that way you, that's where I'm kind of curious though like is he intentionally trying to hide this so um to just throw Texas off or you know make them possibly game plan for a player that is not going to be in the game I mean at this I point, like why wouldn't you? If you're him, like if you're Lincoln Riley, it's the Red River Shootout, baby. You gotta, hey man, you got to get every advantage you can get. Yeah, no tipping your or no showing your cards before the game is played. What you're gonna do? It's gotta <laughs> keep that concealed. I think. That's right. That's right. Um, all right, so uh, we're gonna take a quick break. We'll be right back with the flagship podcast, Taylor Astis and myself. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball and baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does, <laughs> nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Taylor, um, other than telling folks to feel free to get over to iTunes to give us a 
a five-star rating and maybe a nice little couple of words. Um, you know, is it that time? I think it's that time, Chip. I think it's time to bring in our weekly segment, Love It or Leave It. I have some uh, topics for you this week, and I think you may have one for me too. We're throwing oh, some yeah. curveballs. It's rivalry week, so we got to we gotta keep our listeners on our toes here. But I'm going to throw some statements at you. If you agree, go ahead and love it. If you disagree, then you're going to leave it. You ready? Are you going to ask me to be more disciplined in my attention to detail? <laughs> possibly. Like I mean, possibly, considering you said that the linebackers was not the oh. issue going into the season. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> All right, Chip. So my first one for you. Sorry. Yeah, I'll, thanks, I'll get little sis. Uh, why don't you uh, go play in the street, okay? All right. Sounds go good. Go play in traffic. All right. Yeah, go play in traffic. All right. <laughs> All right, Chip. Uh, Texas is 5 and 6 in 11 a.m. games under Tom Herman. Love it or leave it, Texas is doomed for this week's game. That's an 11 a.m. kickoff against Oklahoma. Oh, man. This is – we just got done saying that in 2018, they won and lost an 11 a.m. kickoff to OU. So that would mean that the last 11 a.m. kickoff Texas had against OU, they lost? Last two in a row, right? Okay, great. All right. Sorry, details. Attention to details. Right, attention to details. <laughs> I have to be more disciplined in that area. I'm so flummoxed by this game because something tells me that Texas, because they have the better quarterback, mm-hmm. Barry Switzer, and the guy just did his Tim Tebow Braveheart war cry that I'm going to say that Texas is not doomed by this 11 a.m. kickoff. Okay. All right. I, I think I'm going I – don't, I don't know if doomed would be the right word that I would use specifically. Slow starting. Yeah, so I don't know if this means that I love it or leave it, but I will say that I, I'm concerned for Texas entering this game. I think that um, – you know, I, I really truly believe that Lincoln Riley is one of the best young coaches in college football right now. It's it's very difficult for me to envision a scenario where he his team's going to lose three straight conference games. Um, and it could happen, obviously. I mean, this is it's not necessarily an indication on Texas per se, me saying this. It's more so that I have so much faith in Lincoln Riley as a head coach and you know, I, I think Spencer Rattler is going to get better each and every week this season, um, you know, if he continues to progress and, and reach the ceiling that he has. Because, I mean, he's a high, high, high ceiling. You know, this kid is super, super talented, has, you know, one of the prettiest balls, I think, that he throws in the Big 12. I mean, yeah. just when he's on and when he hits his targets, it's impressive. Um, so, I'm going to probably say I'm going to love it, but I wouldn't say Texas is doomed. I think I'm just more so thinking that. We're just uh, going to be in for another thriller. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I think Lincoln Riley is going to have this team ready, you know, out to um, seek blood against Texas and uh, Texas won't be able to afford a slow start by no more, by no means. Cause I think this could get out of hand if they do. Yeah. I think this is a high scoring game. I don't know what the over under is, but um I could see it like 43-40. Yeah. The Red and River Shootout. That's why we call it, we may not be PC on the flagship podcast by calling it the Red River Shootout, but we're going to call it the Red River Shootout, especially this right. year. Live up to its name. Mm-hmm, absolutely. All right, Chip. 
Number two I have for you, Texas has more to gain from a win than Oklahoma. Love it or leave it. Yeah, even though Oklahoma is the five-time defending Big 12 champion and a loss would all but just eliminate them from the race because we don't know if the Big 12 is going to be like the NFC East at this point or if Oklahoma State or K-State is going to run away with it. So we don't know. Right. But what we do know is that um, they score a lot of points, and this thing gets up in the usually in the forties. So I'm saying, uh, saying take the over. Basically, is what I'm saying. Yeah. So do you think Texas has more to gain from a win? I mean, I think they do, Taylor, because yeah. they. I mean, they're still in the race. They they you know okay still control their own destiny. Yeah. All that. And trust me, until we see a better product on the field, no one's buying that they're going to run the table here. Right. But yes, I think for sure, Tom Herman needs to look every game you lose that you're not supposed to lose. You lose a percentage of the fan base. Mm -hmm. Lou Holtz talks about that all the time. So that's another reason he said you got to win those ones that you're expected to win because you hold the fan base. Right. Herman needs to hold the fan base here and he needs to keep this team. Obviously they're, they're at player only meetings. There's selfishness obviously in the, in the locker room that they're trying to weed out. So yeah, no question. Yes. Texas more to game. I agree with you. Um, and that's, you know, again, not to count Oklahoma out of the big 12 race or anything along those lines. I mean, Texas made it to the big 12 championship game, uh, with two conference losses back in 2018. So I don't think the Sooners are out, but I do think that Texas, I mean, the Sooners are probably out of the college football playoff race. I think that's safe to say. Um, and Texas may still have a potential opportunity. I can't believe I'm saying that after watching that loss to TCU and just watching Texas beat itself in these games that they should win. But yeah, mm-hmm. I agree. I think that the Longhorns have a lot more to gain. And I think Tom Herman has the most to gain, honestly, as you mentioned, because Chip, you know, we work for a site that has a message board. We see exactly what the diehard Texas fans are feeling. We have to moderate and oh, we yeah. through it a lot of times delete the comments because some of them can get out of control we see a little it through bit. Our fingers. Yeah. And yeah, exactly. We we kind of are moderating like this after losses because we're like, please, I don't want to see it, but I have to see it. <laughs> um, but you know, I think that the fan base is tired of that. They really are. And you know, we have quite a few members over at Horns 24-7, and I would be very surprised if the majority of the Texas fan base doesn't think the way that our members think. And our members are thinking right now that Tom Herman may not be the guy, and you can't afford that. You know, I know that 2020 has been a weird year for everybody, but it's for everybody. It's not just Texas. Texas isn't the only coaching staff that had seven new coaches on there. I mean, shoot, how many teams replaced their head coach? Could you imagine – being on one of those teams, like that were Baylor. their head. Yeah, Baylor, um, you know, Mississippi State, Ole Miss. I mean, the list goes on. There's a lot of programs that are in much worse scenarios from 2020 impacting them than Texas is. So I, I personally am kind of tired of that excuse. Tom Herman mentioned it a little bit in his press conference. He kept saying, oh, well, this is just a weird year. It's unique. It's 2020. This is 2020. It's like, yeah, we, yeah, we all know. But you also have one of the more talented teams in the big and experience. Yeah. And experience. I don't want to hear, I mean, as a and journalist, that, yeah. I don't want to hear this, you know, <laughs> I can right, imagine the, what fans are thinking. <laughs> well, 
we said coming into this thing that the team with the most returning starters and the most player leadership was going to win out if they stay healthy in this, in this pandemic shortened everything. Mm -hmm. So Texas is supposed to have an advantage with all those leaders back, all those starters back. So there's no question that something's got to get on the same page here. Uh, And clearly with Ellinger addressing the team on Sunday, uh, that was the beginning of it. Ellinger put it squarely on the players saying that we have to have players who are making the total commitment and, and he doesn't care how, how he is perceived. You know, he said leaders aren't always popular, but yeah, if we win, yeah. hopefully I'll be respected. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, you know, this is going to be a big game. I think this will be telling of, I think where the team is with the leadership. Um, you know, I, I do believe that Sam Ellinger, what he says in, you know, as a leader, he's always been that way, honestly. So as I had mentioned a little bit earlier, I think it's real with Sam. Um, it's just going to be a matter of if these players are willing to fight with him, you know, it's, I don't think that this is a phony, people aren't going to buy into what Sam's saying. I think it's more going to be a test of the actual mentality of the players on the team and of that locker room of where their head is at, not necessarily where their, you know, their thoughts are almost Sam Ellinger as a leader personally. Yeah. Well, um, it, uh, it's, it's, it's been a brave heart kind of week for Sam Ellinger, who of course grew up a longhorn, his father, uh, a big part of the university life as a student who passed away, um, when Sam was just a little guy. And so, um, he can get pretty fiery, pretty passionate about, about the Texas Longhorns and what it means to him. So we'll see how much of that uh, was absorbed by his teammates. All right, Taylor, is it my turn yet or no? Uh, well, this one, I feel like our next one, this is a good lead-in since we're talking about Sam Ellinger. So I'll, I'll go this next one, and then you, you uh, wrap it up. You go with that? Okay. Okay. All right, Chip, love it or leave it. Sam Ellinger's call to arms and brutal truth to the team will have its desired effect. Look at me. I just talked myself into that just <laughs> seconds before you asked me that. And I have these visions of Ellinger, you know, laying it all out there, talking about what being a Longhorn meant to his dad and everything and and everyone, you know, grabbing their shield and running with William Wallace across the field. So I'm going to buy this. I'm going to buy it. I'm, I'm an idiot. I'm a sucker for a great story. I... I'm a lover, not a fighter, so I'm going with uh, with Sam Ellinger, the passion, getting through to his teammates, and the Longhorns, Dicker the kicker, <laughs> for some more Red River immortality. Taylor, you think who's with that? me? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> no, she says no. All right, so I'm buying it, and you're selling it. Yeah. And you're loving it. I mean, I'm loving it, and you're leaving it. This is a tough one because. What do you not like kittens and puppies? No, (laughs) no. And that's the thing. This is tough because I really like Sam Ellinger. I really do. I'm not, you know, I'm not just like pumping or, you know, tooting his horn or anything. I'm not just pumping him up. Like I really do like Sam Ellinger. I've known him since he was 16 years old, covering him as a recruit. I mean, he's a good kid. He's a, you know, he's a competitor. I He's an underdog. I love the underdog story. I always will love that type of story and always will support that. But 
but yeah, I, I don't trust, I don't trust Tom Herman and his coaching staff right now. I'm just going to put yeah. it that way. Um, yeah. There were some things that happened in that TCU game that is just, it's very apparent that these poor in game uh, attention to detail and decisions that have constantly plagued Texas, it seems since Tom Herman took over, it's very apparent that Tom Herman used to be able to put the blame on other coaches. Oh, you know, some Texas fans thought maybe it's Tim Beck. It must be Tim Beck. Oh, it must be Todd Orlando. Well, you know, I'm pretty sure that Tim Beck, neither Tim Beck nor Todd Orlando were on the headset when Texas decided to go tempo on first and goal from the one yard line and hand it to the guy that just ran 68 yards down the field in 20 seconds. And he fumbled on the last one trying to reach the goal line. I think that this is just a sign that it's Tom Herman, the the poor game management, the poor in-game decisions, the head scratcher moments where you're thinking, what are you thinking? And then you ask him and he doesn't really answer because I think he thinks he's the smartest person in the room a lot of times. I mean, it's just, it's that's what I don't have faith in right now. I have faith in Sam Ellinger. I do think that the players will follow him. However, until those decisions from the coaching staff um, don't you know, continue to consistently seem to show up in games, especially close games with the game on the line, it's going to be hard for me to think that Texas is going to win a shootout. It really is. Um, and so, and that's on the coaches. That's the person making the calls. And so that's, that's where I think I'm going to leave it a little bit. Right. Right. I mean, you expected to see a much better product against TCU than you did against Texas tech and the defense has given up. 30.7 points per game after giving up 25.9 last year and people got fired. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's, it, you're right. All of it. And Tom Herman, you know, this is a team that should compete and contend and you're losing to TCU every year and TCU's recruiting rankings are nowhere near yours. Mm-mm. And that, then says, okay, TCU has A, either better talent, B, better coached talent, and C, better coaching, mm-hmm. better prepared. Yeah. Adjustments are better. TCU got better in the second half, and Texas, again, went flat in the third quarter just offensively. Like they Tech, yeah. And just like they, they did all last run. season, midway through the season, it seemed that way. Yeah. So the adjustment game and look, Texas is leading the nation in scoring. So it's, it's not like we're sitting here saying, Oh my God, this team is garbage. No. Yeah. It's not garbage, but it's playing. It's making so many mistakes that it's playing close with teams that they're supposed to beat. Mm -hmm. It's underperforming is what it is. Right. And that's what Sam Ellinger said. We are self-inflicting. We, we get in our own way. We're losing the games right now, not the opponent. And that's where he says, I'm drawing the line. Yeah. So good stuff. All right, Taylor, I got it. I got one for you. Okay. All right. Let's see. Cause I remember back when you were uh, working at uh, a local radio station and you went to the state fair of Texas. I think people can still find it on YouTube. Can they not? Oh uh, yeah. Where I almost, where I had to gag down. Uh, fried beer with a camera in face and trying to, and the person beer. that made it. <laughs> and describe to the folks how fried beer tastes. It tasted like a stuffed pretzel with warm beer that had like a ravioli consistency. So you like bite into it and it's 
warm beer that just flows into your mouth and you're like, Oh, I mean, literally the With like a cigar tasting pretzel. Oh there. gosh. Yeah. I mean, it, I don't even know. Oh, I guess they don't have the fair this year, but if they, you know, ever bring back fried beer at the right. state fair of Texas in the future, if you do want to try it, just make sure to get the cheese for it. Cause at least if you douse it in, you know, nacho cheese, you'll be fine. But oh my gosh. I mean, that was, well, and the, the inventor of fried beer was the one that like, toured me through their work and everything. And he kept saying it's really unique. And I think that's the only thing I said, like, yeah, it is unique. That was like the nicest thing that I could come up with. Yes. Because so unique. the whole time up to they're like, uh, uh, like gagging it down. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> fun times, fun times. Well, okay. So here's my, here's my love it or leave it for you. Okay. Um, this year's Red River Shootout weekend is a complete bust for you because there is no State Fair of Texas. It kind of is, you know? I mean, like, I love the rivalry game. I love that, you know, Tex anytime that Texas and Oklahoma play each other, it's always must-see TV. I feel like that, that was kind of the same way when Texas A&M was still – um, on the schedule, even if t both teams were down, it's still just, it's must-see TV. The rivalry games, especially the Texas-Oklahoma one, are so special and so unique. But a huge part of the specialness, I guess you would say, I don't even know if that's really a word, but is the, you know, the atmosphere outside of the game as well. Because um, even, you know, the Cotton Bowl, however many fans it holds, like there's still so many fans at that fair that don't even make it into the game. It's just such a, special experience. So without that, yeah, I think it's, it's losing its luster a little bit, but, um, I, you know, at least football's being played. So there you I, go. yeah, I'll, I'll say, I'll say I'll, I'll leave it because football is being played. It's with Texas and Oklahoma. So I'll say it hasn't entirely lost it, but without the state fair, it kind of impacts that a little bit. What about you? Okay. So I am devastated because <laughs> I do a, radio show with Mike Harge on AM 1300 The Zone weekday mornings, uh, six to nine central uh, on your iHeartRadio app, by the way. Um, and we do a football throw because he played quarterback at, at Colleen Ellison. And you know, they have those football, you got to throw them through the, through the star or through a basketball hoop and at the State Fair of Texas. And each of the last two years, I've beaten Harge in the, in the football throw. He says that I'm like, just like lobbing it, but lobbing I'm spinning it. Yeah. <laughs> it. I'm just accurate. You know, I'm, I'm not velocity. I'm, I'm accurate. And, um, and so now we don't get to continue our battle this year, but that's okay. I'm still sitting up uh two zip on that. So um, yeah, no. those games usually aren't about athleticism. It's more about, Oh no, <laughs> not saying that you're not athletic. What? Not about <laughs> athleticism. Are you kidding me? I'm a superior athlete. And that's why I'm so good at throwing this football at the state fair. <laughs> I can't even finish it. Oh. I'm just gonna right. shoot well, myself in the foot. On that like note, folks, I guess I get the last word on that. Um, but hey, we love having you in for the flagship podcast. Make sure you're checking out the reaction podcast um, on you know Sunday night or Monday morning, whenever we get that out. And then, of course, Taylor and I 
uh, getting back together again for the, the Wednesday podcast that comes out Wednesday. <laughs> and then, of course, our preview podcast, which this week will be Gabe Eichert, the former Oklahoma center who you hear on SiriusXM Radio doing uh, Big 12 today. So uh, make sure you're checking out all that and getting over to iTunes and giving us a five-star rating and a few kind words. We'd greatly appreciate it. And um, everybody, I mean, it is Red River Shootout Week, so get fired up because I have a feeling we're actually going to get a really good game from two desperate teams, and it'll come down to a dicker the kicker field goal. (laughs) Maybe some more Red River, you know, legend (laughs) for the dicker the kicker. More Red River immortality for Dicker the Kicker. All right. We'll, we'll, we'll leave it at that. I know there's still some TCU tread marks being wiped away. But until next time, for Taylor Estes, I am Chip Brown. Thanks for listening to the flagship podcast. Everybody stay safe and keep the faith. When you have sports mixed with your pop culture, along with humor and celebrity interviews, your earbuds are enjoying the Rich Eisen Show. Dan Orlovsky, are you still a Jaden Daniels is the best quarterback available in the draft guy? I think the three things that make it stand out for me are, number one, I think his ball placement versus man coverage is the best in the draft. Every quarterback in the NFL is accurate. He's got the best on tape. Number two, most transferable stuff to the NFL. And then I think the third thing is pocket peace. Search for the Rich Eisen Show on YouTube or wherever you listen.